This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode of All Things Considered CX. I'm your host, Bob Asman, the founder of Innovative CX Solutions, a past chairperson of the CXPA, and a practitioner with many years of transforming global operations and designing better customer experiences. Together with our guests and listeners, we seek to discuss, challenge, and create new understanding about how to inspire better experiences in response to ever-changing customer expectations. Hello, and welcome to another episode of All Things Considered CX. My name is Bob Asbin, and I'm your host today for another podcast focused on experience management and all the things that goes with this important topic. My guest today is Eric Engwall. Eric, would you introduce yourself to our listeners? Sure, Bob. Thank you. Uh, great to be with you again. Um, uh, I, my name is Eric Engwall. I run a firm uh, called EG Insight uh, here in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area. Uh, we're a primarily a B2B customer feedback uh, organization. And we really specialize in kind of in-depth interview-based feedback that's really meant to drive uh, changes in an organization, either from an account management perspective, uh, looking at bigger systemic or strategic issues in the organization or the industry at large, and, and those kinds of issues. So we tend to work with bigger companies that have big customers and are looking for a deeper way of connecting with those with those organizations to drive again to drive change and i've been doing that for i've been in the business for 22 years i've been uh, uh, either part owner or sole owner now for 15 and so uh, had a lot of great experiences working with with organizations around the world actually so it's been it's been great fun Excellent, Eric, and I and I'm looking forward uh, a little bit later in the podcast to kind of exploring what the work is that you're doing, and what insights that work has been giving you. But one of the things that uh, listeners really enjoy is what's the career path that you've had? What got you to today? What got you interested in this? You know, I always reference that um, as children we say we want to be a doctor or a lawyer or a fireman or somebody like that. And, and you don't always hear children say, I want to be an experience management consultant. And so the career paths are always interesting because there's always some tidbits in there about how people got to where they are today. So uh, please uh, share that, share your career path with us, if you would. Sure, sure. Uh, well, from when I was in seventh grade, I thought I was going to be an NFL football player. Uh, and then, and then a funny thing happened in eighth grade, I stopped growing. So, so <laughs> I had to move on from that. Uh, and the reality is I never really knew what I wanted to do. Uh, I've always been sort of this eclectic mix. I, I'm curious and, and, uh, just kind of followed wherever, you know, wherever I had an opportunity to learn, uh, that's, that's where I went. And so wh- how, where that landed me is, uh, my first real job out of college. Uh, was with a, uh, a training and consulting firm that focused on primarily on culture change uh, within organizations. And uh, so I have, you know, kind of a change management background. 
and so I've already mentioned, you know, that the, the interest in the work that we do is around driving change. Um, that, that was, I worked there for over the first eight and a half years of my career. Um, we did leadership development stuff, and we also did uh, 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 sort of large-scale organizational culture change. And really being getting organizations to be intentional about the culture they were trying to create and what was going to be helpful for their organization and so on. Um, that led to working for a company that at the time was called uh, Personnel Decisions uh, International that was also based here in the Twin Cities, was an uh, inter international firm, uh, since been bought by Corn Ferry, so it's now uh, you know, part of a much larger organization. And that's where I got into this business. I actually joined. The company that I now own had been acquired by them uh, a few years before. And so I joined this practice area inside of that firm. And then after being there for uh, several years, they decided to uh, spin it off. And so a partner and I uh, spun off the business. Uh, so, you know, really coming out of college with a psychology and, and American studies, uh, you know, degree, uh, I was probably qualified to do not much and, and really wasn't planning to end up in business. But I think that all of those experiences have helped to, to sort of understand the importance of listening to customers and understanding what are the critical messages coming from groups of customers and as well as individuals, and then translating that into action uh, inside of our client organizations. So that's what gets me out of bed in the morning. So Eric, an NFL player, <laughs> yes. Uh, I mean, you got to admit, you do a lot of blocking and tackling in your role, wouldn't you say? I mean, I, I would. <laughs> I'm talking to a client now where I'm, that's all I'm talking about is we have to learn how to block and tackle. So maybe yeah. that NFL career didn't happen, but you're still doing it. I, I, I think you're right. I think all those experiences uh, on the football field did help a little bit. Uh, yeah, and I, I actually played, I, I, I'm one of those guys, I, I played small college football uh, and then ended up marrying my coach's daughter. Uh, so <laughs> I've been around football coaches my whole life and uh, uh, fundamentals is, is what gets drilled into you over and over and over again. So yes, lots of blocking and tackling. Yeah, that's, that's, really, that's really interesting. You talk about the fundamentals too. Uh, a number of our guests that are in the service industries have mentioned the fact that their parents were restaurant owners or somehow mm. involved in the service industry. And so that's why I asked my guests about the career path, because there's always those nuggets that kind of, that kind of drop out. Eric, you talked about in your role, uh, the importance of listening to customers and, and insights and taking action. And I'm wondering from your view, what is the state of experience management and where we're at today? What are you hearing from your clients? What are you hearing, uh, you know, in general from customers about where we're at right today, you know, given the pandemic, given the supply chain, all the issues we know about? Curious as to what you're hearing. Yeah. Um, a, lo a lot. Um, so what I would say is that I, so if I just were to focus on CX as a discipline uh, and, and customer experience management, the state of the discipline itself, um, it feels like it feels to me like there's some real challenges that we're 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 at a, uh, a sort of a tipping point here where um, uh, 
some organizations, whether you know, specifically due to the pandemic and the need to reduce costs or, or other factors, they're reducing their staffing, they're scaling back their CX programs. Um, and, and whether it's cost cutting due to you know, fluctuations in the economy due to the pandemic or something else, um, either way, it, it kind of says you know, we're, we're spending more than we're getting. Um, from these efforts. So I, I think CX as a discipline probably has to go to the next level of maturity to really define, you know, what is the benefit the, the, in, in, the, in the language that the executives can understand, which is largely financial. Um, what, what is the benefit that we are truly getting? At? What are we driving uh, towards and what are we getting as a result of all the time, effort, and money that we're spending? On doing this work, so I think it's a critical step um, for some organizations. If you talk to customers, Bob, uh, and and I have the benefit of reading, you know, literally thousands of interviews done with customers uh, on an annual basis. I mean, what customers will tell you is that the experience that they're having with their key suppliers is still absolutely critical. So it's not that the that the experience isn't important. It's just that I, I think that we're we're still not quite getting. Um, enough out of those efforts to drive change. And, and I'm going to be a little bit of a broken record on that. Uh, you know, it is about change. If you're, if you're collecting feedback uh, from customers, it, you had better be doing something with it that changes the, the, whether it's operations, whether it's strategy, whether it's specifically related to the customer experience. If you're not using that to change processes and behaviors and all of those things, uh, um, it's it's a little bit of wasted effort, quite honestly. So I, I think that's that's where it's got to go next. Um, it's not going to go away. It's just going to morph and change. I think the other thing, though, having said that, is that um, when I was early in my career, I made the mistake of assuming that these large global enterprises that had really well-known brands were really sophisticated in the way they did business. And what you find out when you get inside a little bit is that there's a lot of organizations that uh, are big and successful, but they're not very sophisticated in the way they do business. They, they are, they're clearly doing a lot of things right. Uh, and the reason I bring that up is that I still think there's a lot of organizations that have yet to wrestle with what, what experience, what, what should the experience of our customers be and what's the gap between what they're getting now and what we think that should be and how do we close that gap? So, so I think while I, I'm a little concerned about CX as a discipline, I think the business need to really be intentional about uh, all of the issues that come to the forefront when you're tackling a, a CX initiative are, are very relevant to businesses and rel very relevant to customers. Um, so it's not going to go away. Long answer, but no, but a very, a very good answer. Um, it's you know, it's a little bit depressing, Eric, because we we think we've made so many strides in in creating and and uh, advancing the CX profession, the CX discipline, and yet at the first time of crisis, when you really need CX, companies decide to curtail it, lay off professionals, cut back the budgets. I mean, it seems counterintuitive, but it happened, as you say. Uh, it's just 
it's just mind boggling as to why some companies chose, and I get it, right? It's, it's profits and survival and all of that. But at the time you need your customers most, you're cutting back the discipline of CX. Yeah, I, um, so I'm, I, some people probably aren't gonna like what I'm about to say or what my, I might say throughout this conversation, but um, what, one of the things that I've seen uh, is that, that I think organizations and, and executives in those organizations sometimes really truly don't understand uh, what kind of commitment they're making when they when they start, when they launch a CX program or initiative or create a function inside their organization, and 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 they're not really clear either on what it is that they're trying to get out of it. So it's it's one of those things that well everybody else is doing it, I guess we better too. Um, and and what I've seen, unfortunately, Bob, is that it sometimes has, they they feel like they can just make it a staff role, um, plug, you know, somebody that's got, you know, 10 or 15 years of experience in a, in a similar staff role, you know, into a CX role. And, and then they start collecting data, uh, maybe consolidating data that's been collected for some period of time. They install, you know, some new software systems to help manage the whole process. Um, and, and then they don't get what they want, you know, or, the, or, the, or three years into it, they start to say, Things like, what are we getting from this? So again, what are we getting from the time and effort and money that we're investing? And my the problem that I see is if 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 you treat it as a staff function and it's buried, you know, three levels under, you know, marketing or customer service or or whatever, then what you're probably going to get is collecting data and producing reports and, and those kinds of things. What you're not going to get is driving systemic and strategic change. Uh, within the, the company. And, and so if that's what you want, if that's what you truly need, then you've got to put people into those roles that, you know, can command an audience in a boardroom and say, look, you know, this isn't just, uh, um, you know, about collecting uh, ratings on a survey screen. Uh, this is about making significant changes in how we do business with our customers so whether it, whether the goal is growth or retention or process change or whatever, uh, uh, you've got to put the people in the room that that have the chops to to lead those discussions. And I, some are doing a great job at that, and others I think aren't aren't quite ready for it yet. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Listeners, you're listening to Eric Engwall on the All Things Considered CX podcast. We're discussing the state of CX. Eric, in one of your comments, you talked about collecting a lot of data and taking action. And you were very um, directive about that and strong in your statement. Mm -hmm. What is preventing organizations from taking that action? Because within CX itself, we're hearing a lot of that. We're collecting mountains of data, but we're not doing anything with it. And so the question is, why collect the data if you're not going to do anything? What is there? Have you found that there's a particular reason why they're not able to advance that? You've maybe touched on a few of those, but yeah. what do you, what's at the core there? Um, I think this is why my sort of interdisciplinary background, you know, and eclectic sort of approach made me a good fit for this world. 
because the reality is, Bob, that that when you when you listen to customers, particularly in the B2B world, the the issues that customers have are not limited to you know product or service or you know legal terms and conditions or pricing. It's all of that, which means that it it crosses every single organizational boundary that you have, right? So you set up in whether it's geographies or functional areas or you know, divisions, um, the customer just says, look, this is my experience and, and I'm, I've got issues with each of those, right? So whatever silos you create, the customer is gonna have you know, a perspective about how that's working. And so what happens is that, that in order to drive change coming from the customer's uh, uh, comments, uh, you've gotta work across those organizational boundaries internally. And, and I, there's the challenge, right? Um, uh, again, I need, so I need to get, and chances are the issues are extend across multiple organizational boundaries. So if you're trying to improve, you know, on-time delivery and you start pulling away, you know, the layers of what is it that's causing us to be late on our deliveries? Well, sure, we've got production issues, but we've also got product development issues or we've got supply chain issues. And now I've got you know, three different executives that I need to engage and get them to dedicate you know, somebody in their team to give time and energy and resources to, to solving some of these issues. They're not small problems. Um, they're not easy answers. And so I think that, that that's why. I mean, when the easy stuff gets done, when the customer says, hey, I need an org chart so I know who to call, or you know, I need a, a price on a particular service or part. Uh, that stuff is is easy. When they say, you know, I need you to, you know, uh, uh, increase the the, the on time delivery percentage, you know, at our facility in China. Uh, now we're getting into a whole different level of complexity. That's really interesting. I I haven't heard it described like that in terms of levels of complexity. And I think you really hit on something there, Eric, where maybe sometimes we just like to do the, the highly visible things, but the nuts and bolts are really the challenge that we have in implementing true change in the organization. It can feel good to do a journey map and, a, and design a strategy, but when you have to actually fix things within the organization, it takes on a whole different perspective, doesn't it? It absolutely does. It absolutely does. And that's why, you know, again, I keep going back to, the issue, and I know this is this is always a topic of discussion. When you get, you know, three or more CX people together, they're going to talk about executive sponsorship and executive commitment. But that's why is because it, these become executive level issues very quickly, and and probably cross functional as well. So anytime that you you've got competing goals, you've got competing agendas, you've got limited resources, uh, uh, it has to be you know, important and it's got to be driven from the top in order for those big things to get done. So true. So, um, Eric, you're, you know, I've known you for a few years and you're an optimistic guy, but uh, you <laughs> depressed me, you depressed me about 2021 and I'm afraid to ask about 2022 now, but um, I have to, right? We're, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, obviously, there the pandemic. We don't know where that's going to go. We don't know where supply chain is going to go. All of that, but but if we kind of you know brush that aside just for a moment and look at 2022 and beyond, 
what are you thinking we're going to be doing with CX and where are we headed with it? Yeah. Um, you know, with your background, Bob, you probably have a, a broader you know, view of that than I do. But, but I, I will say this. On, on the positive side, I think what the pandemic has done is, is obviously, I mean, it, it, this is in the news. And if you, if you work with organizations, particularly B2B companies, uh, the whole notion of transforming the way we interact with customers, whether you want to call it digital transformation or something else, I mean, it, this, the pandemic and, and everything that it created uh, really led to you know organizations getting serious about uh, doing things they knew they should be doing anyway, and and finally they became high priorities. So so that momentum is going to last a while, I, I think, and I think that's a good thing. Giving customers more options about you know how they want to conduct business with you is is going to be a, a is, is a very good thing, generally speaking. So so I think that's positive. I think on the on the negative side. You know, again, I'll just point back to that to that maturation issue. Uh, I think we, you know, you and I had lunch a while ago, and I, I said, you know, one of the things that we kind of joke about uh, in the CX world for those of us that are external service providers is that every once in a while we'll get a call from somebody that says, uh, "Hey, I need a, a net promoter survey." And and if you're if you're doing the consultative sell, the first question ought to be why. Um, and, and sometimes quite literally, I mean, I'm paraphrasing for effect to some extent, but sometimes quite literally the answer is, well, because my boss told me we needed an NPS survey, <laughs> uh, and, and they don't, and that's about as much thought as they've given to it. Um, and, and so I, I it's what my former partner, Gary Gerds used to call, uh, he used to say, you know, that's when companies start to, they, they, uh, they know the words, but they don't know the melody. Um, and, and what that means is they know they should be doing things, but they've kind of not really attached themselves to the purpose for doing those things. So for me, that conversation is always about what, how do we tie our CX efforts to the business goals that the organization is truly focused on? Because I guarantee you, it's not about collecting the score, right? They're, they're focused on something else. The score is an indicator of how well we're doing in customers' eyes, but it's not what an executive wakes up and thinks about every single morning. So I, I do think that's where the maturity factor comes in, is, is that CX has to continue to link itself uh, within every organization to the business goals and objectives that the, the C-suite or you know, whatever, whatever group you wanna use but what are those people focused on and, and how can we help them uh, uh, accomplish those goals and objectives? I, I think that's, you know, that's both the challenge and the opportunity, I think, for CX mm -hmm. going forward. Yeah, I think that's, that's well stated, Eric. And uh, do, you, do you think that, well, from a professional standpoint, and what's fresh on my mind is a, is a discussion I recently had with Chris Rios, who is an executive recruiter in the CX space with uh, Blue Rock Search. Um, do you think from a professional standpoint, we're going to see more 
uh, people enter the profession? Do you think people have thrown up their hands and said, I'm tired of knocking my head against the wall, I'm gonna move on? Um, because certainly if they're able to accomplish what you just suggested, that would be a rewarding situation. Yeah, right. Um, but thoughts on that? Um, I, I, the answer is both. I mean, I, I hate to waffle on that, but I, I think again, I, I think for, for the organizations that are, are somewhat naive or, or uh, you know, just not fully clear on what it is that they're trying to do. If it's, if it's a me too response, meaning, you know, I, I, I was talking with an executive friend of mine in another company and they said, this is what they're doing. And so we need to do something like that. If, if, if that's the decision-making process inside the organization, then I, I think you're, it, it's, it's, they're gonna continue to struggle. Those kinds of organizations will continue to struggle again, because they might know the words, but they don't know the melody. Um, I think the for those that really take a thoughtful approach and and recognize that you know if if we're going to do this right we have to staff this function accordingly and it, and this is an executive level role simply because of the again the cross functional nature of it I mean if you start drawing the map of all the organizations that touch the customer. Um, it, it, you realize really quickly, this is a leadership job, not, not a, a, a staff job, right? So uh, I think to the extent that organizations do that and they're gonna have success. Um, but I'm amazed at, at, particularly with those organizations that have been doing some form of CX, certainly in the customer feedback space, and that's where I spend most of my time uh, uh, in that particular niche, is that they, they're, they've been doing it so long, they've forgotten why they're doing it. Um, and it just becomes the task. So, you know, it's, it's April, so it's time for us to do our customer survey again, or, or in my case, it's, it's January, so it's time to start interviewing our customers again. But really losing touch with what's the bigger goal and objective. Again, are we trying to grow the accounts? Are we trying to, uh, 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 we've got a retention problem and we're, we're losing customers, we're losing market share, so we need to fix that. Uh, and then how can the customer feedback we collect uh, be designed to, to, and the method that we're using to collect that customer feedback uh, be chosen to, to help with those objectives? Um, that, that's where maturity comes from because that's where results come from, you know, quite honestly. So. Mm -hmm. Excellent, Eric. Uh, before we wrap up with some final thoughts, I, I would like you to share with our listeners what you and your organization do, because I think it's it's pretty interesting in how you approach customer feedback. Could you take a couple of minutes and share that sure. with our listeners? Sure, and I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to do too much of an infomercial here, but yeah, the, the core the core of what we do um, is related to a, a customer interview process. Uh, we call it the customer review, um, and. The, what makes it unique uh, is that more than, uh, let's say 90 plus percent of the time, what we end up doing is equipping our clients to do the interviews with their customers directly. Um, and most often it ends up being the members of the account team that serve that customer that are engaging in these conversations. So it's a mix of qualitative, uh, lots of rich qualitative uh, feedback 
but also a healthy dose of quantitative uh, data as well. And it tends to be organized around two main things. You know, sure, the, the first part of the discussion is how are we doing at delivering the products and services that you buy from us? Uh, you know, whether it's quality or, or you know, service or, or other factors. So let, give us the report card, essentially. Um, tell us what we're doing well and what we need to improve and how we're doing compared to others that you do business with and so on. But the second half of the discussion is almost always about the customer and their organization and where are they headed? What are the challenges that they're facing? Uh, uh, what, what are they seeing in the industry? What are they seeing in terms of uh, changing customer needs in their markets? And how might that impact what you need from me or us uh, in the future? Uh, and so uh, we, we help them design all of that, decide which customers to talk to. We, we train their interview teams how to conduct an effective interview and, and uh, make sure that it's not a, a completely biased conversation. Uh, and then we collect all that data and then help to make sense out of it, both at the individual contact level, uh, but all the way up to you know, sort of enterprise level kinds of issues and, and uh, actions. So uh, in a sense, that's what we do. And, and we're a small company, but we're able to work with very large organizations, again, because there's a whole process that we can implement and they're doing the interviews. So, you know, we've, I don't know how many countries the interviews were done in last year, but it's, it's, it's a large number. I mean, uh, you know, all throughout Europe, South America, Asia, specifically so it's 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 pretty interesting process that's great eric and by the way don't apologize for the infomercial because you know you don't get paid the big bucks to join my podcast so i always <laughs> i always get guests an infomercial opportunity because this is sure. uh, not a high paying position to join the all things considered cx podcast so no but there's some side benefits so i'll, I'll take it <laughs> good and so as we wrap this up and it's been a great conversation i'm always amazed at these podcasts how fast the time goes so eric i always ask my guests the same final question words of wisdom uh from a cx professional to a to a cx professional listening in this podcast from you i i think it's you know, uh, again, if, if you're in an organization and, and again, you're, you're more than you're trying to do more than than collect data and produce reports, you got to keep talking to the executives uh, that are running the organization truly. I mean, keep listening, keep responding and keep bringing insights and information to them that will help them with the, the things that they really are spending the most amount of their time on. Uh, that, that it's it's that's that's an easy thing to say and it's not so easy to do but i i think it i think that's that's the best thing you can possibly do stay connected to those issues and to those people always great words of wisdom wisdom from our guests we really appreciate it eric thanks for joining me today absolutely and listeners this has been another episode of the all things considered cx podcast i'm your host bob Asman. We thank Eric Engwall, our guest, and as always, if you've enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your network and stay tuned for another episode of this podcast, as well as the CXFM radio podcast network and all of my fellow podcasters for some great topics on uh, topics of interest for CX professionals worldwide. Thanks for listening to this episode of All Things Considered CX. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your colleagues. Subscribe to our show, 
follow me on LinkedIn and visit my website at InnovativeCX.com for more insights on creating better experiences. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit CXofM.org for more resources.